Fualcha, 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 Akharja Gale, and welcome to this week's episode of the Rebel Matters Podcast, episode 105. As usual, I am your host, Anne Carlan, and this week's guest on the show is Tomas Mulligan. Tomas is the son of Tom Mulligan, who is the owner of the Cobblestone Bar in Dublin, which of course was in mortal danger on the foot of yet another so-called development in Dublin. After a successful campaign where people took to the streets and organised mass objections to the planned proposal, the cultural and musical institution that is the Cobblestone Bar was saved. In this episode, Tomás talks about his family's long-standing and deep connection with the Cobblestone Bar, how they found out about the proposed plans and talks a little bit about how the protests that ultimately saved the Cobblestone from being the latest casualty of what seems to be a sustained attack on cultural spaces in Dublin took hold. This is an important lesson for anyone interested in organising collective action to protect cultural and communal spaces and for anyone who's interested in preserving the spaces that allow our music, our art and our culture to flourish. Thanks very much to Tomás for being a guest on the show and of course thanks a million to our supporters over on Patreon who have been keeping the Rebel Matters show on the road. If you're interested in becoming a patron of the show, then you can go over to www.patreon.com forward slash Rebel Matters and see the various tiers of support. So let's get stuck into episode 105 of the Rebel Matters podcast with Tomas Mulligan. How far back does your family's connection go with the cobblestone? Uh, so, um, from before I was born, anyway. Um, so this was my first home. Was uh, I'm I'm in the middle floor of the cobblestone now, and I think I was christened in this room, maybe. Um, but I used to live in the floor upstairs, and that's uh, my sisters are living there now. Um, so I think maybe our connection with the place is. 32 or maybe 33 years old goes back that far you, I think. you must have a lot of memories as a kid running about the place do you oh man yeah yeah like that's so like with with, the, with this place being under threat like to me it's like if this place goes like that's the the center of my like the focal point of my life being gone you know like this is where i was raised so i spent so much of my life here what, what was it like when you're a kid growing up in and around the place? Madness. madness. Uh, so there used to be, on the floor that I'm on now, there used to be a gig venue up up here. And uh, it kind of got it kind of got shut down through, um, I don't think it, I, I think, I don't think it had a, a suitable emergency exit. Uh, and the fire officer got it shut down. Um, and like, we haven't been able to build any, uh, one because like we don't own the building. Uh, but, we used to always have our family gatherings up here and like just my memories of that is we've got we have a big family um 
running absolutely amok all over the place, you know, in between uncles and aunties' legs, in and out of the toilets, behind the bar, up and down the stairs, like psychos running around the place. Um, it's uh, I've met I've met all of the loves of my life so far. I've met them in here. I'd say uh, I've learned how to play music in here. Learned how to speak to people in here, like more than like learned how to socialize, like everything. But for people who have never been there, don't know what the cobblestone is. Like, how would you describe it? More than a pub, it's kind of like there's not really a word I can use or like a sentence that I could use to describe this place uh, briefly because it's very much a feeling you have to have when you're in here. You know, it's a it's a center of education. It's a it's a center of culture. It's like the world comes to you when you're here. You'll have people from. I don't know how many countries I've met in here and it's it's like Dublin Airport, you know. Uh they all come here and very few people I think have had had a negative an overall negative experience here, you know. They there's people of all political beliefs, re, uh religious beliefs, uh any sort of creed. Like they all meet here and all, all of that kind of goes out the window. Um just People want to learn and play music here and talk about a shite, you know, a, a, a forgotten art form in Irish culture, really. Uh, and so much of that just goes on here. It's so much, so much more than a pub. I always felt that the um, the drink, the drinking aspect, even though it's like where you would make your money as a business, but it's always been like secondary to everything else that goes on here. You know, the education, the learning, the, uh, the music. What was the proposed development? So it would be a nine story, like nine story. I don't think there's anything that's like it would be nine stories, I think, on top of this place. So uh would have been around 114 bedrooms. And it just it looked so ugly compared to the rest of Smithfield. It kind of just looks like it. There's there's a lot of these buildings that have gone up that have shot up in town recently. And uh, there is a there's a new hotel just being erected at the end of the square, uh, which kind of like is kind of architecturally sim- similar. This kind of like, I don't know if it's like new age brutalism, uh, devoid of any sort of emotion or consideration for the area, but it would have towered over all the residential uh, complexes behind here. Um, it would have it would have removed the back bar gig venue which uh which is like a huge like it's it, it's a massive massive space uh relative to the to the size of the pub it's not like huge uh, you could fit about a hundred not a hundred maybe maybe around 80 people into it um so many good gigs have gone on there so many people have gotten their start like uh john francis flynn played gigs in there skipper's alley have played gigs in there um you vagabonds lancome um, Lisa O'Neill, all the all these like kind of the the heart and soul of Dublin's folk movement at the moment. I'd say a lot of them cut their teeth in the back bar there. We would have lost that, which has kind of been instrumental to operations during the pandemic because it's it's kind of more spaced out than the rest of the bar, so you can actually socially distance people there. We would have lost the toilets, um, and around. Around a third of the main bar, and then also the beer garden, which 
like for a few months there when that was the only place that we were allowed to open to put people uh when pubs opened after uh, kind of in june july there you were only allowed to have people outside and uh, if we lose that like we're not out of this pandemic yet what happens like where where would we put people we wouldn't be able to feasibly operate at all with i think you're reduced to maybe 20 percent of your actual capacity it would just become a glorified um residence bar for what would have been left of it just the front pretty much like if you know if you walk in the front door just the bar pretty much because uh because you'd have to, what would be left of the pub, like that's, you'd have to put your toilets there, you know, and kind of redesign everything. Um, maybe some sort of like small smoking area. Um, yeah, so you would have been left with very little, like just the bar, pretty much. Did it take us by surprise whenever he's heard what the plan was? Um, no, it took, it took a lot of people by surprise, but I'd kind of known it had been coming for a while but my dad was always he just dad was fucking always on his best behavior he didn't want to upset the landlord lest he toss us out onto the onto the street and we'd have no pub at all um and then when when it was announced it was like even knowing it's coming it was still like a still like a, a punch to the gut and after it was out my sisters and myself were like right, well, we're not going to shut up about this anymore. If the landlord is annoyed, well, his relationship is with with dad, not with us. And dad can't tell his adult children to not get annoyed by something that all of their friends are furious about. You know, I assume you got like some kind of letter or something through the door saying, "Look, this is what the plan is." But who is it that like where does that plan come from? Who made that plan? Uh, the landlord of the building is a developer, and. Um, he is uh, he's owned the building for for as long as we've been in it pretty much and he would like he would he would say he would he would never consult you on on this you know you might hear that um he need needed somebody to be allowed into the building on a certain day you know when everything was shut during the pandemic and we'd have to have someone in here to let these people in not knowing what they're doing and the day that we found out what the actual plans were was the day that it went up on the wall i think it was the 4th of october as in the the, notif- the notification that goes yeah. outside is that yeah, what you read pl- is that how you found out what was happening when you read that or did you get like something different to say no pretty much it? pretty much that was it man that like we we had known that there'd been something coming he might have like said stuff in passing but that is like we found out with the rest of the country, you know. Did that put your family then like at head to heads with the landlord from that point on? Oh, just straight away. <laughs> straight away. Um, because, like, you know, like my dad, my dad has had a relationship with this fella, but I was, um, I suppose, in us going to protest against it and doing what we did. I think me and my sisters were prepared to nuke any sort of prospective relationship that we were going to have with him because because we're pissed off about this, you know. It's like it's our home. Like dad has tried to buy us before, but he's never really humoured him, you know. It's like he's been holding out all these years for this this big cash cow of a plan, uh, the hotel. Um, so we were annoyed, and like that kind of I suppose that puts us at odds with him. He never consulted us, so like 
yeah, we're we're not going to keep quiet about it. What was the process then from the time that you found out about it to the point where probably all the rest of us found out about it was whenever it was um, the protest was kind of started by that stage? How, how, how yeah. did that progress along? So uh, I think it was one of my sisters shared it online and then my ma was like, take that down. <laughs> uh, but then by then, a load of her friends had started messaging her. And uh, I think I put up something online and I was told to take it down. And then my other sister put something up online. And my ma was like, take that down. And she just told my ma to unfollow her. <laughs> She's like, jog on, I'm not taking this down. So then I was like, right, okay. So this is, we're drawing our line in the sand here. I'm going to stand with the girls. And um, I started posting about it through my band page. Um, and that got that got a lot of people talking about it. And then my friend, John Francis Flynn, he got in touch with me and he's like, is this real? You know, what's going on here? And I explained to him very briefly what's happening. Um, and he put up a post about it and then just... I think that was on I think that was on a Monday and I just like my phone didn't my phone hasn't really shut up since then you know and that was just like two months ago uh, but loads of people got in contact with me on account of from people before profit who would be in the, the band Skipper's Alley with John as well he he organizes a lot of their campaigns and he got on to me and he was like man the, like we can't allow this to happen we won't you know uh Loads of people were contacting me asking what could they do, uh, and it just it kind of it came to a head that I think on the Tuesday, the following the the day after the Tuesday or the Wednesday, um, I was told right we're going to have a march in Smithfield, and uh, that just gained so much traction. And I was doing a gig on Friday night. Uh, the day before the the protest and the lad who's in the band with me, Adam suggested we have this coffin. You see, you, you probably saw that. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have this coffin that we, we commandeered for a Halloween gig about three years ago. And it's just been sitting upstairs in the cobblestone since uh, we like throw props in it. It's like a storage, <laughs> a storage unit for us. Now <laughs> he suggested bring out the coffin, man, because if this place, goes that's the death of dublin to me it's the death of culture and i was like that's a great idea and we came into the pub on the saturday we went emptied the coffin uh put our instruments in it and kind of like we moved it towards the stairs and then i went and i looked out this window beside me and I was like, jesus christ there was like over a thousand people there and more kept on like coming up the square and coming from below the square and there's people out with banners saying like Dublin is dying and like that was that was quite emotional because it was like a shock shock I really didn't expect to see something like that um now in the days prior like RTE had been in touch with me sort of Virgin Media uh the Irish Times there was loads of like everyone seemed to jump on this story you know and I don't think that would happen if it was like just a pub just a just a pub, you know. It's it, it obviously it meant a lot more to people than just drink. Um, the publicity that I got was insane, and it obviously like 
paid off. There was like uh, I think I think the the final count of people people to end up being at that protest was like three thousand, and we took out the coffin, we brought it into the middle of the square, and took out our instruments and just started playing a tune and. Like there were so many cameras there and it just took off. It's like, like nothing I'd ever seen before, you know? And then we took the coffin and we mar- marched it to Dublin City Council. But one of the lads suggested since the Merchant's Arch, and this is very convenient that it also like um, around the same weekend as the planning permission for the cobblestone went up, the uh, it became public news that the Merchant's Arch was in danger of being demolished for the exact same thing, a hotel. And one of the lads suggested that we carry the coffin up to the Haypenny Bridge, cross it, uh, stand at the Merchant's Arch for a while, and then then go on to City Council. And Jesus, man, that coffin was heavy. <laughs> I'm, still, <laughs> I'm still having trouble in my neck from it, like, uh, two months later. But, uh, but it, it, like, it seemed to be an iconic symbol, you know. Uh, it was a, a funeral pro- pro- profession going through, uh, or procession going through Dublin uh, that shut down the whole city for about three hours. At the beginning, were your mum and dad sort of resigned to the fact that it was pretty much game over? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, I said, like, Tom thought this place was dust. Um, my mum was like, <laughs> my mum got really upset about it because... Uh, she knows the landlord and she knows the sort of money that he's playing with. And she's like, this is a pointless endeavor. You know, this is a, like, we're going against some really powerful people here and people don't win. You never hear of people winning battles like this, especially given the scope of power uh, on the other side there. Uh so my dad didn't get involved in in any of the protests, which was great. You know, I don't. I think it wouldn't have had the same effect if he was there. You know, shouting, and he he hadn't spoken to the landlord since the plan and permission went up, and I think that was that was key to what went on here because there was always that fear if the landlord felt that he was sabotaging his plans, out the door. Yeah. So my dad was here. He was in this in this room that I'm in like looking out onto the square, blown away by like people actually turning up for turning up for to support this like this dream he had 30 years ago, you know? Uh he took a chance and and this is like like so many people like kind of paying him back for what he's done for the culture. Um now my ma came on the marches and uh she brought her whistle with her and she she played with us. She didn't make any speeches now, but she was blown away as well, like completely shocked by the support. And yeah, like here we are today sitting with the results that we couldn't have imagined two two months ago. So from the from the day we just had that march to the point where the planning permission was refused, <clears throat> what happened yeah. in between those two points? Uh so the Tuesday after the march, um a group of musicians uh, and artists and customers, uh, myself and my sisters as well, met in the back room uh, of the cobblestone, which under the plan would have been gone, and decided like decided with the with the powerful like symbolism and the the uh, publicity that the march got that we need to like 
set up an organization, structure it, and set out what our goals are. And uh, that was that was how Dublin is dying was formed. That was the day it was formed there. And we decided that similar stuff like that, that uh kind of like meaningful protests, not not the exact same thing again. I didn't want to bring out the coffin, you know, and just have do the exact same thing because it would water it down. Um, but we decided like that the whole goal of the the organization is to uh, address address the shrinking the shrinkage of, of cultural spaces in in Ireland. Like like what is what is Dublin for? Who is it for? Uh, why do people come here? Uh, did we need to like really address how Ireland treats its artists? You know, like are we something that's that you just use you commodify and make it make a bit of money off at some false Ireland gig uh, or for some dignitary like Donald Trump getting off the plane in Clare? Um, or is it something that's actually important to us because we don't have don't have like architectural history here? Like like you would in in Belfast or or Rome, even you know where you can walk around, you can see the form, you can see the Colosseum. Like culture is all we have, and that's why people come to Ireland. You know, uh, it's what Fall to Ireland advertises. It's what's advertised in the Aer Lingus magazines, and that was what we we wanted to go down the road of being very like culture centric. Um, so we decided to do a few things because. The protest, we consider it to be a success, but the main thing that we should be focusing on is getting the objection letters into Dublin City Council uh, to object to this plan of permission. So we uh, we organised a few things. We had, a, I think, like the next week, we had some pop-up sessions and a few other campaigns got in touch with us, like the, the Merchant's Arch campaign and the family that owns James Joyce's House of the Dead got in touch with the campaign as well and our, our people related to that campaign got in touch with us and said just please keep them in your mind that's another thing that's like it's under threat of being demolished for a hostel and so we did a pop-up session outside there we did a pop-up session uh at the merchant's arch uh dublin city council and doll Aaron. and uh there's a few guards around we're like this is deadly you <laughs> know the guards are loving it um, and then we kind of stayed on like the social media campaign to like educate people how to write letters. Planners got in touch with us, barristers. The support is like has been so overwhelming. People from all like sectors of society and, and, and particularly like people who would be involved in this sort of thing, like like architects, planners, um, city councillors. Uh, County councillors, TDs, so many people got in touch with us and were like, what can we do to help? Then other artists got in touch with us. Damon, Damien Dempsey was in touch with us. Uh, he spoke about it on Blind Boys podcast. We got to do an interview with him. Melda May spoke out about it on the radio. Uh, and it made its way all it made its way all the way to like the seat of power. I think Leo Varadkar was doing an interview one morning and somebody asked him about it. And he was like, Oh, yeah, that probably shouldn't happen. I don't think that that should happen at all. And like, think what you want of them, but like, when the leader of the country is is saying that, you're like, we're after like we're after making some serious noise here. And then the Saturday before the deadline, 
So the deadline was on Thursday, the 4th of November. The Saturday before that, we decided to have another march. And we had leaflets to give out uh, to show people exactly how to fill out an objection, what to write, what like to dispel any sort of myths and trying to make it more accessible to uh, to anybody that want that felt that they had uh, they felt that they had like a, a, a valued opinion on what was going on here. Like somebody even wrote an objection in one of the one of the seven hundred plus was, I do not want this to happen. And it was, it was that was it. Like yeah. <laughs> so our our protest on the Saturday that we had given out the leaflets uh, took form and uh, took took its form in a Cayley. So we played, we marched and played music from Smithfield all the way around to O'Connell Bridge, and then shut off one half of O'Connell Bridge and had a Cayley. People dancing at the crossroads, playing tunes. At this point, did you feel like energized from like the momentum that just rattled getting into the campaign? Absolutely, like you know, I like I did the, the first march was kind of it was sad, you know. There was an air of sadness about it because it just felt like this is like the inevitable was happening here. We're going to get swallowed up by the by the cruel fist of progress. But so this is like three three weeks later, I think four weeks later, and something had just changed, you know, with the amount of people that. I'd spoken to the amount of people that came out and were like, we do not want this to happen. It seemed to be the democratic will of the people was for this not to go ahead. And I was prepared for the worst, but I was definitely kind of, I don't know if radicalized is the word uh, to use, maybe galvanized, just that I was like, this shouldn't happen because everyone here doesn't want it to happen. Nobody's out marching in favor of building more hotels. There is a, This has struck a chord with a lot of people. So if this does happen, this will prove to a lot of people that the system is rotten at its core. And that was, that was my buzz. That was my thinking. And I fully expected it to get passed, to be honest. Even, even on the... Even after the deadline had passed and I'd seen all these submissions put in, I was like, you know, it's like good things don't happen in this place. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you never you never hear of a good story, especially with people going up against developers. Um so pleasantly surprised. I was. Yeah, it must have been a, a good feeling whenever he's got the notification that it was that it was blocked. Yeah, yeah. Uh I've yeah, I was. Uh, what was I doing? I was. Yeah, I was off school that day. I think it was. Uh, I'm a teacher as well, and they they had a discretionary day because the school came back early in in August. So it was just this Monday was picked as a day off, and I was having a lovely lie in, and I woke up and I had like forty missed calls and notifications coming out of everywhere, uh, going. Dublin City Council rejected the planning permission. I was like, no way. Uh, and then I, I had to spend like the next two hours answering phone calls and returning calls and doing interviews um, from my bed. <laughs> and uh, then I got into the pub and my two sisters, who are both teachers as well, they arrived in from work at the same time. And we just hugged the heads off each other, you know. Everyone was just so happy. Then our dad came in, and then our mom came in, and ah, 
we were just like there was tears all around you know it was uh, we were just so happy and so so proud of all of our friends because like it's the word it's not like i may we may have been like the face of it you know because we were the family about to get like tossed out of here but it's not the work that like we've done it's the work that the people in dublin as dying have done like all of our friends really rallied around us and like protected us when we were vulnerable What's the situation now? So is that like an indefinite block on like building anything where the cobblestone currently stands? So they have, they have until like, I think the 22nd or the 23rd to appeal it. Whenever, of December, yeah. Whenever they, so it took them about two weeks to make their decision on it. And whenever their decision was released, I think it might have been the 22nd or the 26th of November. Um, they had four weeks to appeal that. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think that the the fight for this place is over yet. My dad hasn't been able to get in touch with the landlord. I wouldn't say he's too happy with him at all. Uh, for sure, my dad didn't do anything. You know, it was it was the people people that are around us that did this did the work there that did the agitation. So. I don't know what the story is. I met I met um, the deputy Lord Mayor there, Joe Costello, the uh, former Labour minister, and um, he. I just spoke briefly about him, and he was like, "This is the first time that anything like this has ever been rejected on cultural grounds. Like it's it's monumental. Uh, it sets a massive precedent." Uh, and I said to him, "I was like, well, I don't think we're out of the woods yet." And he goes, "Well, they won't repeal it." They, they won't appeal it. They, 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 I don't think that they would waste their time because there's not much that they could get done that would um, resemble their their uh, earlier plans at all. And the culture thing, like they're not going to get rid of that. Um, they're like kind of, I don't know. They they based they based their objections. The city council said they based their objections off this new development plan for Dublin that they that it hasn't come out yet. So taking culture into consideration, he could always just sell the place, you know, to, to someone else, sell it out from under us. Uh, I'd, I'd love if we had the opportunity to try and buy it because there's so much that we'd like to do with the space, but we haven't been able to because we thought we were putting, we thought we'd be putting money into a, a black hole, so to speak. So I don't know. I really don't know what the future holds for us. I feel like that we won a, a very important battle, but we might still be in a war, if you know what I mean. Mm. How do you think that the threat to the cobblestones represents what's happening in Dublin in general at the minute? Oh, <laughs> like I could talk, you could talk forever about that, man. Like it doesn't feel like it's doesn't feel like it's our city. I, the amount of friends I have that don't live here anymore because. They feel like they've been priced out of it. Like there's, it's 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 sad. It's so sad that you look around and all the bars here are the same now. You know they're all like these. They're all like this this poor imitation of a London bar, uh, and they charge you out. They charge you out the eyes for everything, and um, it's so expensive to just to live here. Never mind the rent. The rent is absolutely ridiculous. Um, it just seems that like anything, any time that there's something good going, like a cultural space, like a 
like a squat or an artist's commune around the place. It just seems like it it gets taken away just as it's getting legs, you know. Uh, it doesn't feel like there's, any, there's anything for us here. Uh, I think I can name four pubs now. Last week it was three, but I found out of a, of a, of a fourth pub that has a session on. It doesn't seem like you can find music around the place. Um, it seems like it's a city that's losing it. So all of the new buildings that are popping up, they all, they all look the same. They're all hotels, just loads of homeless people on the street. It's, it's a dying city, I feel. You and, know, the way yeah. things are going now with the building in Dublin, like there's a lot of building going on in Dublin, like when you drive through the city. Yeah. Was there a similar threat to kind of cultural centres during, like the last time that we've probably seen this volume of building happening in Dublin was probably during the Celtic Tiger sort yeah. of era? Was there yeah. a similar threat back then as well? Or is this like a, new, it's a new thing, like that the, the small pubs are being like targeted for hotels? Well, like yes and no, you know, like that. Like the Celtic Tiger was really a time, I suppose, that like Dublin lost the run of itself. And then when the recession hit, I think there was something like maybe a pub closing down a day in Ireland in two thousand and nine or something. Uh, and a lot of a lot of like nice spaces, I suppose, were lost. Then I would have been I would have been just coming of age then and not as engaged with um, with culture and cultural space as I as I am now but I was working in the cobblestone and I had friends who were who were in their 30s then and they were coming in just constantly like saying oh, this place is gone you know this place is gone like everywhere is going nobody has nobody has a pot to piss in now and all of those lads like they lived up here they used to they used to come in every Thursday they used to have great crack with them but they've all had to move out of Dublin now you know, they're all living now. I know that that's like a natural progression with like people settling and stuff like that. But like some people have had to leave Dublin because their their rent doubled or stuff like that. Um, now, I now I think that there's a different air to it because, like we were told, keep your head down during the recession. You know, work hard, pay off this debt, and like. Austerity will end and there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but this is supposed to be the end of the tunnel of that. And it's just grim. It's grim, man, you know, like uh like it was a massive transfer of wealth there, and I think a lot of developers are just like cashing in on like the housing market or the property market in Ireland, you know, like you have hotels and soulless buildings going up. There's so many cranes around Dublin and they're all building the same thing. <laughs> They're building hotels, but like there's there's less and less things for people to come and see in Dublin. Do you know do you know what I mean? Yeah, like like, that, I think something similar is kind of happening in Cork as well. Like the the yeah. one of the oldest pubs in Cork, the Sextant, got leveled like last year. Yeah. It's just a car park now. Seems really hard and daunting to kind of try and stop that. Kind yeah. of like it's like a juggernaut or whatever, just that's it, man. Yeah, it's like you're going to war against titans here, and it's it seems like the goal is to <clears throat> turn everywhere into like a mini London, you know, where people are too busy to people are too busy to socialize. Uh, it's all about extracting as much as you can from people. It's it's unsustainable. Like you know, it's it, it's it's like late stage capitalism, really, uh, at its 
in its final form, I suppose. Like, what does make that does make everything that happened from the point that you got the notice that the, the what was going to happen to the cobblestones, what was in the pipeline for it, makes it more important what happened after that. Now, like in the face of all of that other development, that the fact yeah. that the like it was stopped. Yeah, it's like it's it's one win, you know. It, it, but like it's a win that everybody can see. You know, like there's loads of people coming up to me in in every aspect, every every facet of my life at the moment, just going people power, people power did that, and I think that's like that's very uh, important for the morale of people in general to see that like if you if you rally around something that you really care about, like the powers in the power's in the majority here, you know, and like we can be agents for change. We can, we can get something done if we want to, but uh, yeah, we need to be united. Where do you reckon the, the next battle is going to be fought? In, in, in what sense do you mean? In the sense of say the cobblestones and the other kind of um, cultural centers in Dublin that are under threat at the minute. I don't know. I really don't know, because um, it's very it's very closely linked to to housing as well. You know, that like this is this similar thing. It's just like that our it's like our ownership of of this town or this this land is 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 being taken pried away from us. Really, so I think those two things are intrinsically linked. I know that the Dublin is dying campaign. Is still going to keep fighting. Like we owe, we owe an immeasurable debt to so many people involved in so many other campaigns, like the Catu, the Tenants Union. Um, they, they, they helped us so much. You know, they did. Uh, they just they they gave lended so much support to us that I think it we are going to return the favor because because the cobblestone is one key victory, but. It it kind of it, it woke a lot of people up who are, are just not happy with how things are going in Dublin at the moment. Um, in regards where the next fight is going to be fought, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's like <laughs> there's just this. Where do you start? Do you know what I mean? Like there's there's so many fundamental things wrong with. How Dublin is being run. Maybe it's the fight for having a democratically elected mayor in this town that um that you don't have like faceless bureaucrats like Owen Keegan uh trying to trying to set up whitewater rafting in, in a town where there's so many people like shivering on the streets that maybe like there's we can elect somebody who is accountable to the people in, in this city. Um, because I know that's a it's a very important thing to a lot of people in Dublin, and it, there's been a campaign for a democratically elected mayor as long as I can remember. But I think really this whole thing has woken the people up to um, the idea of that. That I suppose we need more direct democracy, a bit more of a say in what's going on in our town, in our in our country, really. But focusing on Dublin for the time being. Um, in our town. It, it feels like the link that's after getting sort of um, highlighted between, or the link that's been recognised between a physical place and 
the culture and the impact that it has on people's lives, it seems like in a way that's kind of breaking new ground and maybe something that that needs to be built on, like to try and protect other places. Yeah, yeah. Like there's like the 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 morale boost in winning that there, uh like that's something else, you know, and that has like it, it's it's I think it's the it's the most successful thing really or maybe the most important thing that I think I've ever been involved in in my life. Um, I feel so proud of everyone and I I feel like I want to give back, you know, in terms of like helping helping something like this, a campaign like this to 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 save another cultural space or to like and like I feel like that. I know I'm I know I'm certainly not the only person. Uh, even within the Dublin is dying campaign, it feels like that the morale boost from from an actual proper victory is uh, you can't sell that short, you know. Um, and I think that hopefully, like good things, I think will come from this. Did you get much support from outside of Dublin for the campaign? Yeah, oh, outside of Ireland, man. Uh, like there was objection letters, I think, from from Germany, from America, from Australia. Uh, from South America, uh, and a lot of people, a lot of people like from like a family from up north and social circles that I would have engaged in up there, like they were all in touch with me and they were spreading the word. People in England, people in Cork, Galway, Limerick, uh, yeah, like it, it seemed to be, it seemed to be a story that really like kind of captured the heart of the nation. You know, and it was like the biggest news story in the country for a time, uh, which is insane. Like it, it, it's. I, I still haven't really like processed. <laughs> oh man, how much attention this got? Because it's like it's absolutely insane. But it really shows you that like people are grateful for the chance that Tom Mulligan took about thirty years ago. What do you think would be something useful that people could do to? Like to, to help uh, with the momentum they just have in Dublin as then and with the cobblestone as well. Without nailing me flag to a mast here, uh, be more politically engaged and be careful who you vote for. Like know who you're voting for. There's go on to go on to like the Oroctus website and there's voting records of every TD from every vote that they all voted on and what they voted. Know who you're voting for. Uh, don't vote people in who just want mindless economic constant growth because that's the mentality of a tumor and that's that's the commodification of the of necessities in and, and cultural spaces in this country is in in my opinion what's what's killing it and um, so be more politically engaged um We'd have no problem with someone setting up a, a Galway is dying group or a Cork is dying group or a Belfast is dying. If you see something is under threat in your area, get involved. Try and save it. Uh, try and preserve the culture. Uh, and get in touch with us. Like we'd, we'd help anyone in any way that we can. And uh, if you've ever been thinking about learning an instrument or 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 engaging in any sort of art, do it. Uh, because there's there's so many people out there are happy to help and the more of us that there are the stronger we are <laughs>